This is the Used Car Dealer Podcast. Well, Zach here, and I'm so excited to have Bob Hollinshed back on the podcast. For those who may have missed the episode number 12, Bob is the largest used car wholesaler in North America and a serial software entrepreneur. We've had some audience questions come in as well since that last interview. And Bob, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. It's my pleasure, Zach. And moreover, congratulations on the acquisition by Cars.com. Tell us a little bit about that journey and what made them a great partner for your business. Let me just back up one second to revise uh, your introduction. Actually, at this point, John Wolf has become the largest volume wholesale dealer in North America. And God bless him for that. He's uh, been a good friend. And uh, we've had um, seven or eight years of conversation back and forth to uh, um, um, actually enable, I think, what John has taken to the next level. He's doing an absolutely unbelievable, actually almost superhuman circumstance, what he's doing with his uh, Give Me the Vin uh, uh, program. Um, I'm sorry, ask your question again, Zach. I just wanted to correct that just so we don't get people confused. No worries. I was congratulating you on the acquisition by Cars.com. Oh, okay. And tell us a little bit about that journey and what made them a great partner. Well, um, obviously, the software we built um, is uh, um, agnostic and inclusive. And when I say agnostic and inclusive, it's good for all parties. It's good for consumers. It's good for dealers. It's good for communication in a, a dealership. It's a good for um, creating a instant cash offer for any uh, consumer online to enable uh, digital retail. It's phenomenal. Uh, uh, and dealers are finding it to be incredible as a service drive acquisition uh, platform. Uh, it's good for you know, uh, just about anything that a dealer does when they touch a VIN. So when you think about who you're going to actually uh, uh, choose to distribute that, I would say it has to be a uh, entity that is also agnostic and inclusive. And when you think about that, it would make it difficult if it were just a auction company or if it was just a auction platform or if it was just, uh, uh, let's say, a dealer group or if it, because what you basically are doing is eliminating um, <clears throat> the uh, capability of being agnostic and inclusive. In other words, when you're pricing vehicles uh, based on VIN-specific, uh, historic, um, 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 a transactional, um, um, DNA-level uh, uh, information on a VIN, um, uh, it has to be, uh, as a third party, uh, used by various levels of potential users. A consumer would, that actually feels like it's a fair offer based on uh, enabling all the criteria to be taken place, uh, options, dent scratch, previous accident, uh, uh, desirability in the current marketplace, and somebody willing to write a check for it. So we, what we find is most dealers... Um, um, in fact, all dealers like to have uh, the ability to have a third party uh, enable a uh, evaluation because it uh, enables them, based on their propensity for that particular VIN, to trump it or to lean on it. If leaning on it means where you're giving them insurance balls, in other words, it, intestinal fortitude to actually take a chance on something that they otherwise might not necessarily uh, uh, step to. Uh, simultaneously, in many cases, in most cases, in a service drive, for instance, 
Uh, it's a car that actually matches uh, the brand of a dealer, right? In other words, it's a Toyota in a Toyota shop. It's a uh, a Mercedes in a Mercedes shop, right? Getting serviced. So typically, it's a um, it can be a a customer of theirs, based on the circumstances of the marketplace today. Um, you know, uh, it, it's highly likely the consumer bought the car for less than the car is currently worth. If it's a two, three year old car, then it's currently worth an open market. So long, long, long winded story. Um, if we distribute uh, uh, um, with a less than agnostic partner, um, it kind of emasculates the depth and breadth of what the potential distribution would be. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, uh, Zach, but that's uh, um, the long and the short of it. Separate from the fact that we find that um, um, Alex Vetter and his group that he he surrounded himself with are really good people. They're genuinely, uh, um, they're sincere, uh, good, solid people with uh, uh, dealers' uh, best interest in mind. And that to me is very important, being a dealer. Um, and, you know, getting involved in long-term conversations with folks, I think you get to understand their DNA um, and, uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very pleased with, uh, the relationship that we've actually created. That's great. And I know Alex, he's a great guy too. So Bob, we still have a, and by the way, chain. that's not a fake yeah. thing with Alex. That's, that's not a phony baloney thing with the guy. Uh, he genuinely is like yeah. a Midwesterner, uh, that <laughs> is, uh, he, he's a genuine guy. It's not like a, you know, smile on your face kind of guy. If you know what I'm saying to you. Yep. Yep. No, I do. So, Bob, we have a supply chain challenge still this year. What has been your view of 2022 in terms of the used car marketplace thus far, and where are we headed? Well, I guess it depends on what you're talking about. So, obviously, we are um, pre-owned centric. So, our our business is based on uh, the wholesale marketplace, the uh, um, um, the uh, auction um, marketplace, uh, uh, the liquidation uh, um, process, et cetera. So um, when you say there's a supply chain issue, obviously there's a supply chain issue for the last couple of years. Dealers are finding a way around it. They charge you more for cars. You get more cars. You get nothing in stock. But you know that nothing in stock thing starting to slow up a little bit also, right? So we're starting to see, not that people are flushed with inventory, right? Um but, um, you know, the dealers are selling uh, new cars. Um, they're trading plenty of cars. There's a lot more cars in the market. Dealers that were desperate to keep everything are no longer keeping everything. Um, you know, they start piling up uh, um, at crazy numbers that as this market starts to decline, like it's declining right now. Um, you know, of course, when you start talking about what's declining and what's not declining, <clears throat> trash cans are still bringing good trash can money. Um, but what you wind up with is uh, these cars that actually are um, more expensive, um, you know, 15, 20, 50, 80,000, 90, 300,000 dollar cars uh, are not what they were um, three to five weeks ago. Right. We're starting to see um, the gas prices uh, invade into people's psychology. Right. Uh, we're starting to see uh, uh, consumers coming in trying to trade cars in they bought last year and are 30 or 40,000 upside down. Right. We're starting to see like a lot of different things that indicate that, um, you know, supply chain, you, know, you still have rental car companies buying deep today in Dallas, in Mannheim last week. In other words, buying deep 
into a certain very narrow segment, but it's a segment that new car dealers typically would love to own, but they're buying too deep because they're not selling cars, they're renting cars. And when they're paying two, three, four, eight thousand over marketplace for those cars, it tends to make people feel uh, warm and fuzzy about how strong uh, the used car market is. Take that little element out of the picture, and it's a different. You know, you're you're a click or two uh, off uh, windage and elevation at that point in terms of how hot the market is. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, Zach, but uh, we see it extremely clearly. Um, and then there's a there's there's a lot of other indications that are um, from our perspective, which is a little different than a, a sitting in a new car showroom or sitting around analyzing data. Um, how many people are logged into our lanes, uh, and then compared to how many people actually are bidding or buying in the lanes? It's what I call a lot of grandstand activity. Grandstand activities when you have 687 people logged in. And, and and nobody's bidding on a good car, right? So in other words, what yeah. that is, is everybody watching just to see what it's actually worth because nobody has the uh, testicles to actually uh, pick it off, you follow me? We're seeing that over the past uh, month uh, more and more. Plenty of people logged in, very little activity. So that's not a good indication um, um, of you know a desperate market for, um, uh, we just need cars. That's absolute and total. Um, nonsensical BS. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you're driving around, just looking left and right, when you're going through Automotive Row in Miami or in Philadelphia or in Chicago or in San Francisco, uh, people have cars in stock, right? Uh, they're not parked sideways uh, on the front line any longer to make fillers. Cars are there. Not, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about overflowing uh, lots, but go past anybody's lot and tell me they have no cars for sale. It's, that, once again, is... It's a lingering bullshit story. I'm sorry for the language of a bulldog story that um, there's no cars around. There's plenty of cars around. Um, and um, it's a question of, and there, I'll tell you the other thing that you're seeing uh, is the no-sale parade has returned uh, to auctions that are selling cars. I'm not talking about trash can sales, not 15,000 lower, 15,000 north. And, you know, you're back to a normal dealer, um, no selling 50, 60% of the cars, 40% of the cars. And that has not been the case for a couple of years. Um, so all of those things uh, put together, and I think we're in for, I'm not saying it's going to be a crash like the stock market is, but there's a correction that's already taking place now. Um because you know you don't have uh, this desert of cars, and you know everybody dying to get to them. That's just a fact. So, Bob, during the pandemic, many dealers they started to leverage online wholesale platforms, and now that COVID restrictions are gone, are you seeing dealers going back to the physical auction lanes? And then, longer term, what are your thoughts on buying wholesale online? versus going in person. Yeah, so you open up Pandora's box there, brother. So, you know, you you, you got to be talking about, so these general broad brushstrokes um, uh, uh, are very difficult to fill in because it, you got to you got to narrow it down. If you're talking about um, these little auctions that sell a thousand cars uh, a week that sell the average twelve fifteen thousand dollar car, and there's people going back to those auctions. Uh, typically, they're condition-challenged or CR-challenged cars that um, don't draw people from 
you know, across the country, there more or less people are driving two, three, eight hours to get to the auction, buy their three cars and go home. Um, and you know, there's an awful lot of dealers, obviously I've been doing this 50 years in, in the auction block. So, you know, the, the camaraderie and the, the whole thing that goes with it, the, the shtick that you put on in the auction block and all, um, in my estimation, it's a thing of the past. You know, we miss it. It's, you know, we love nostalgic things and all the rest of it, right? The inefficiency of it and the um, the idea that, uh, you know, a, a dealer's best employee, their smartest employee, their used car manager is going to take two days off to drive to an auction and stand there and bid on three cars where he could have been looking at 19 screens simultaneously and actually buying what they need um, without, you know, the uh, windshield fatigue, uh, um, you know, the, the, the time and effort of going and marching through 200 acres of cars, the, the, the idea that that's coming back and it's going to replace the cell phone, you know, dial up phones are on their way back. Don't forget they'll be here soon. Uh, Cause we really love the noise of that dial up telephone. Um, it ain't happening Mo. You follow me? Um, um, you know, we're selling 25 or $30 million worth of cars on an afternoon, uh, in a couple of lanes, uh, in our underwear, you follow me? So, um, uh, getting up and starching up and spitting and screaming and throwing shit at people to buy cars was so much fun. And it's such a legacy. It's a thing of the past, daddy. Oh, it's never, ever coming back. So, you know, there's a lot of solid little auctions, the serve net auctions and so forth. They got a great dealer base. They got dealers showing up. They're doing whatever they do. But even ask them. In other words, the internet's creeping in, right? They're selling not, they used to sell 0%, then they sold 3% online. Now they're selling 30, 31% online. So in our case, we sell 100% online, minus wow. the four <laughs> CarMax people are standing in the lane and, you know, they're trying to be cutie pies bidding and making sure somebody else is bidding and the nonsense. I mean, it's not nonsense. They're They're good at what they do. Uh, and then there's two other dealers that show up. Uh, I mean, I get the statistics. We used to have 7,000 people with bitter badges in the lanes. At this point, there's 142, 142 in the world's largest marketplace. So the idea that, you know, they was so great. You know, we went to the exotic sale and there was people there. Yeah, but you didn't sell anything. And the cars that you had there, we got more for the following day and sold at a higher percentage uh, 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 the following day with nobody in anybody's lane. It's very surrealistic to watch it and to participate in it. I still pee my underwear the night before the auction, you know, assuming we're not going to sell everything. And of course we sell everything, but that's just the normal thing that's evolved over 50 years of doing this thing. Right. Uh, the excitement's still there. Uh, I don't think we have customers that are, are pissed off that we don't do it in the lane. They'll say, Oh, I wish I could touch the car. I wish I could smell a car. In my case, if you don't like the way it smells, I'll take the bitch back. If you don't like the way it looks when you get it there, just make a call. We'll send a truck and go pick the bitch up. So it's not like anything's being missed. And the efficiency of it is not even in the same category. So you asked about other online platforms. You know, uh, um, I would say uh, that uh, it, it uh, other online platforms will never replace, ever replace. And I love everybody and I love all the platforms and you know, all the rest of it. They'll never replace an auctioneer with a microphone in his hand, an emergency, a seller that really is going to sell a bitch. You follow me? And a buyer that understands that we're not playing games and what you think you bought, you actually bought. 
you ain't going to get tricked into buying something that you and then hide behind a CR or some other crazy thing. You know, never going to replace that with a static platform where somebody went out and did a thing, a little condition thing. And then hopefully somebody did it. And then they list it again and list it again and list it again. Then maybe someday sell it. In other words, the time and effort that it takes somebody to use that compared to lining them up, making them logically lined up, um, um, getting an auctioneer that can count. And and when it's all said and done, uh, uh, that 31 seconds, uh, that bitch got a new owner. Um, there ain't no um, um, who struck John and maybe it didn't. We'll take it to another plat listed on three more platforms or something. It's never getting replaced. That's in our situation because we're professional wholesale dealers, right? A new car dealer that is you know, switching managers from here to there and they like that and they did that. I think in some cases that they believe that it's good for them. And as a result, it's fitting a little bit of a, a niche. You know, there's a few platforms out there that the, you know, uh, new car dealers seem to like, they believe they're getting enough money for them. And if they, a good deal is based on peace of mind, right, Zach? If they believe they're getting market value for them, then I guess they think they're getting market value. I can only tell you they're not. There's plenty of money left under a hammer, but that's entirely up to them. It's their merch. It's their decision. You see what I'm saying, T-Pell? Yeah. We got and- plenty of dealers using AccuTrade in order to get their base number. We invite them to list them on, I won't name the other platforms. We ask them to, to be sure that what they think they're getting is market value. And if they want more, we'll buy it. Or if they want whatever they'll bring on those auctions, we'll buy them. We'll take them all. It means nothing to us. It's it's good. We just want to be sure everybody's getting what they need to get in order to make their deals and liquidate what they'd like to liquidate. So there's a place for it. I just don't believe it's ever going to replace a real auction. That's all. So, Bob, what are your thoughts on Carvana acquiring the physical auction assets of Odessa from Car? And what's it mean for dealers that go to that auction? So that's that's a it's again that's a fifty pronged thing. In my opinion, it's the smartest thing I ever heard anybody ever do ever. So everybody's spitting and throwing things at the at your phone right now. Uh, because, oh, this guy's an asshole. He don't know what he's talking about. Okay, I believe. I, I agree. Except it's not true. If if Carvana does what I think they have the ability to do, I don't know that they have the psychology to do it. I could make the Odessa auctions with Carvana owning them the greatest auctions of all time. It's easy. It's not hard. Uh, it's really simple. First of all, it was brilliant from a Wall Street standpoint, even though they had to do some crazy debt thing to, to make it happen and all the rest of it. Um, the physical locations and being a hundred miles away from the vast majority of the population, nobody could say that's a bad idea. Um, it's not a bad idea. The fact that Ford just announced they're not financing their Ford dealers. If they buy cars there and Toyota pulled out Mercedes pulled out and all the rest of it, the fact that they pulled out, don't mean they're not coming back in. It means that at the moment they pulled out because somebody got mad and they didn't want to sell their cars there anymore. First of all, how many cars were they really actually selling? There are no cars coming off lease, right? They're all getting absorbed before they get there. So, what did they really, what did they really pull out, other than you know uh, having a, a little time in the limelight saying they did something, right? Uh, I don't think it's the bulk of their business. That's one. But I'm going to tell you how they could fix it. I've already, you know, had a couple conversations with some people there. Not that they're going to ever listen to a dumbass like me, but. There's a couple things about people that are car dealers, and I love all car dealers. I'm one of them. I love us. I love every one of us, good, bad, or indifferent. Rats, 
you know, geniuses. I love everybody. I love them all. There's one thing that runs, there's a number of things run common through us all, but one is we're all whores. When I say we're all whores, we're whores in that if someone was to charge less in fees, if the devil was the owner of the auction, and somebody said, no more buyer's fees at the at the auction, you'd need traffic cops to, to keep dealers away from that particular auction. Because we've all been raped, and not not forever. I, mean, I look back at my original uh, sale tickets from 1972. It was a $21 sale fee, um, you know, on a $42,000 car, right? So, in other words, it, it's a little different. But, you know, when you look at a, a, a – and you could say the online thing is charged less. That's true, but you get less also and all the rest of it. So that's a, a, a relevant rel, relative question. But from my perspective, um, Carvana has the the ability. Uh, uh, I don't know if they're going to have the psychology to it, but they got the ability to make it the, the greatest auction of time. Just tell all dealers there's no there's no buyers fees, and watch what happens to the parking lot. All they got to have is a few trash cans there, and because you're not paying a buyers fee. Uh, everybody will buy. Every single dealer will buy, even including dealers. Say, I'd never buy cars from a Tessa. Really? Mm, charge no seller's fee and see. Charge no buyer's fee and see how that works. So you're saying, how would that work? Um, there's many different ways that that would work unbelievably well, to tell you the truth. Uh, um, I don't think we got the time to do this at this second, but to me, um, uh, when that were to occur, and Odessa does have phenomenal locations, they got really good Boston, okay? so it's right outside of New York. They got man, so you look at the locations; they're relevant to population distribution. L.A., San Fran. In other words, they got they got good locations. Um, so uh, the question is uh, inventory and who how, how you're going to sell them, and I'm sure that anybody that's in the auction business say, oh, Bob, you're so crazy. Really? Um, You got to think about it now. Um, How would you get cars? Get more money for cars. That's how marketplaces actually attract sellers. How how would you ensure the fact that they actually bring more money? Charge no seller's fee. Let me give you a historical reality check. Paid auto auction, Pennsylvania Auto Dealers Exchange, got sold to Odessa, I'm going to say, I don't know, I'd lose decades. So I'm going to say 20 years ago, right? Maybe it wasn't that long ago. I think it was 20 years ago. Uh, Hershey sold his original auction. He he was the, the original owner of paid auto auction for since Methuselah was selling cars, right? And the number one reason why all dealers went there uh, to buy and to sell is because there were no fees. There was like a the penny sell fee and a penny buy fee. Right, so there were two thousand car consignment auctions. So make no mistake, there's only a couple of them auctions that were bigger than them. It was run nice. They had Pennsylvania Dutch food there. No fist fights because the guy from Brooklyn came there, acted <laughs> different than you know. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. And then Odessa bought it. You know how many cars they sell now per week? None. You know why? Because as soon as they bought it, they started charging six hundred, eight hundred, and twenty-two hundred dollar buyers fees. No, nobody, nobody's going to do that shit. So if we know that's how you repulse buyers, I believe it's exactly how you would turn it around, knowing, you know, absolutely, that all car dealers are horse. They they would buy a car from anybody if the fee was less. 
if Edessa, or I'm sorry, if Carvana was to um, um, do a little something asymmetrical, they've been known to do asymmetrical things, right? They've upset the apple cart with how dealers are going to do digital retail. Customer has to have it dropped off in his living room, right? So it's got everybody in the panic attack. Uh, so they obviously had a profound effect on the industry generally. Um, on a retail side, right? I believe the same identical thing. The second I heard it, I said, this is the smartest thing I've ever heard. It's the biggest disruptive, potentially disruptive thing. And I'm not sure that the, you know, those guys are really smart, the, the way they've handled Wall Street and all the rest of it, right? I don't know that they, and they've ugly duckling in, you know, drive time, all the rest of it. These are, these are smart guys. These are not putzes. Uh, I believe. I don't know they know wholesale well enough. I believe if their if their brain was adjusted just a little bit, they could screw things up really bad for everybody, all people in marketplaces, locations, a disruptive model. Since we know you don't have to make a profit to stay in business because that's what they do anyway. And the stock, well, it's obviously crashed now. But I have a funny feeling, oh, they're going out of business. I don't think they're going out of business. I think that's what you'd like to believe is going to happen. Um, um, we're buying deep. I, I believe it's going to turn around for uh, not just them, but for other people in that uh, arena. Uh, and because uh, it's not going away. The cell phone didn't go away. Did it, Zach? No. <laughs> Remember, you hold it too close to your ear, you're going to get brain cancer. Yeah. How, you got brain cancer yet, Zach? You're on the phone all day long. Next not, to your brain. Wood, not yet. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So all of these things like witchery and so forth. I don't know. I, th I think it was a brilliant maneuver, and people are going to adjust their their uh, their heads if people got something for sale, and you ain't paying us some nutty sale fee. I believe they're going to do good. Mark that on the calendar, brother, and then would come back and tell me what a dumbass I was for saying it. But I believe it to be true. Yeah, no, we'll we'll check back Q two of twenty twenty three on that, and. Mm. Um, Bob, my next question. So a popular feature of like a Carvana website is the sell us your car feature where you just enter VIN or driver's license plate number and they give you an instant cash offer. When hmm. we last spoke, you told me that you invented this concept at a previous company by book. Talk about the importance of having this on your dealer website and how the technology has evolved since the days of by book. So you're you're young, right, Zach? You weren't around during traded marketplace and things like that, right? Well, I'm 31. So now. we did it. We did invent. We did invent buying a car without saying it, giving a cash offer online. I mean, anybody can talk about something different, just isn't factual, right? In other words, as a matter of fact, the, the folks at the, at Mannheim and Cox didn't believe we'd survive it. So, you know, we had a five million page contract saying it's all your fault if it doesn't work and all the rest of it. And you're responsible. We're responsible for nothing. You know, Chip Perry was peeing in his underwear because he wasn't sure it would work because Mannheim said it wouldn't work. And there's no way this could work. And of course it worked. And it turns out to be um, one of Cox's most profitable uh, entities, uh, et cetera. So, you know, without any question, it's something that was ahead of its time. And now everybody, their grandmother, their sister, their aunt and uncle, everybody has a, a, a some version of value your trade. Uh, you see what I'm saying to you, Zach? I mean, if you don't have that, um, 
I think the lack of um, some degree of transparency is missing. I personally believe the vast majority of the, um, um, you know, Corvana is a little bit different because they can tell you a stupid thing and then um, do it anyway because we're not worried about making a profit, theoretically. The truth of the matter is they don't offer any more money. Uh, CarMax doesn't offer any more money for a car uh, than we do or anybody else does. So, um, you know, you can do a lot of tricky things. You can use some book value and tell the customers something and then change it when they get there because they weren't transparent about what was wrong with it or whatever. So all of those variations are, you know, I guess they have, depending on who you got selling it, who you're tricking into using it, um, they, they have a, a, a validity. A used card dealer, it, it's, I think it's a little bit different because a used card dealer is not a, uh, a, I would call it a broad and deep enough buyer for any car. If somebody puts their Ferrari on there, 787000 yeah. we'll buy that car. Uh, but the used car dealer is not going to buy that car. Uh, the Chevy dealer is not going to buy that car. Uh, the Ford or Mercedes dealer ain't going to buy that car. If, oh, wait, Carvana ain't going to buy that car. Oh, 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 CarMax ain't going to buy that car, Zach. So it depends on the category of car that you're talking about, the franchise, the demographic that you're in, um, um, not just if you're a new car dealer or a used car dealer, uh, uh, but there's a lot of other factors. And then your capability when they get to the dealership of actually enacting it. What we learned from instant cash offers is you have to have trained people at the dealership. I think over the past 10 or 15 years, you know, Kelly's done a fantastic job. Cox has done a great job in training people in the dealership when the customer gets there to have the right person interact with the consumer. Years um, um, learning about that. You'd assume a dealer would know what to do with the customer when he gets there, but the it's not necessarily a right person that's interacting with the consumer. You see what I'm saying to you? So at this point, in our case, and what we're distributing with cars, we're going way down the funnel. In other words, including you know mechanical, electronic verification with OBDs, what we call the EKG, with the ability for photographs to be done, and interaction at the dealership level before you get to the dealership to add more pictures, to be able to actually talk to the person that you're going to see when you get to the dealership. So we're, we're you know, it's evolved uh, uh, profoundly. What hasn't evolved, however, um, is you got to have the right people in place at the dealership uh, in order to uh, um, um, not just give them a price, but then to interact with them to make it a soft landing. You see what I'm saying, Tizek? This has now evolved to... You know, when you think about it, you know, the average dealer might get four or five, eight, 22 leads today or coming off the Internet. There's somebody looked at their car and it's a specific car they're looking at. And there's a trade in. Now it's going to the BDC. OK. Where we're really going is really smart dealers are buying 80 and 100 and 130 cars a month using our platform in the service drive. So in other words, you already got the customer there. So you don't have to worry about where he is or what it is. So you really can physically. Take the pictures ah, and plug in the EKG. So now you really know what's wrong with the car before you give them a price that you have to back up on or you have to get smashed in, get welded into when you got the car in the shop. So our platform enables pictures. Just ask the consumer, your car is in for service. Would you? We already know everything about it. We know the miles. We know the 
basic price of the car. In other words, how much we would actually pay for the car. Oh, wait a minute. And how much they paid for the car. You see, if we know the pedigree of the car, who owned it last, what they paid for it, how long it was in the market before they paid for the car. Oh, now we're in a different level of, oh, we got 100 leads. We, we converted two. No, now you got 100 leads and you convert 62. See, because if we know they bought a 2018 Corolla for 21,000 for it in 2018, now it has 31,000 miles, and I'd pay 23 for it. Could there be a possibility that a consumer says, no, I don't want to make a profit on a car that I've owned for three years and driven for three years. I don't want more money than what I paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) How about that one, Zach? So in other words, is that a better source than standing in an auction? Whether you're kicking the tires or you're doing it online to pay 23.5 bidding against Hertz and Avis. Wouldn't you rather pinch it off the McGillicuddy's in the service drive for less without going through auction fees, transportation, not knowing what the car needs to be reconditioned because we've already given you the printout. That's what our software does, Zach. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is a massive gap. You know, there's other data mining, customer mining tools that are out there has no relationship to what we're doing. Knowing what you're actually going to get for the car before the car even goes into the shop. Knowing what's wrong with the car before the service manager has his turn to take a shot at it. To be able to make an offer to Mr. and Mrs. McGillicuddy on a car that they've owned for one year, two years, three years, 22 years, and know everything about it, how much it's worth, what you can get for it, if it's good for wholesale, if it's good for retail. You see, it's an entirely green field. You see, uh, there's nobody in that space, and I think this is where um, dealers are going to, uh, I think, get uh, a fabulous value uh, uh, of changing their modus operandi sourcing cars. A used car dealer, can he do that, Zach? No, he can't. Why is that? He don't have a service department, does he? You see? So you don't have that you know, massive 100, car, 100 ROs a day to work through in order to pick out the six that you're going to zone in on. You see what I'm saying, Tizak? So used car dealer, a little bit different in that regard. Um, but the, uh, uh, I believe also, now stop and think about that. Stop, Zach. Hold on one second. Hold your britches on. Watch. Now you got that same Corolla. It wasn't 32,000 miles in three. It's 173,000 miles. You see? And it has an EGR valve. And it has a... X, Y, Z on the emissions. Uh, uh, are you following me? Yep. And in the Toyota dealership, it costs you 4,700 parts or 2,100 and 80 million hours of labor, which, by the way, our tool actually has delineated for you very clearly right on the appraisal platform. Are you following? Now, what would they do with that car? Well, if you present the McGillicuddy, who already knows that the EGR valve and the emissions are bad, and you show them logically how much they're going to get for their car and why, they're going to get 13.6. And you know what? They're going to be really happy because it has 110,000 miles on it. They've owned it for all that period of time, never had an accident with its original owner. They're thrilled to take a check or get slammed into another new car. Where's that car go, Zach? You guessed it. To your local buy here, pay here dealer who actually can fix the emissions problem for $16. Are you following me? Yeah. What happens in that food chain, right? 
the big one eats the little one, the little one gets eaten by the little one, and then the other one goes over there, and that's how that works. So from my perspective, um, um, when that gay car gets put into a broader marketplace, whether you want to do a, your little online thing or you want to uh, drag it to uh, 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 an auction lane, the best end user will be revealed, and that best end user will not be a new car dealer. It will be a non-franchise dealer uh, that actually has his brain intact and knows how to uh, uh, to take a little maneuver with that piece of merchandise. You see what I'm saying to you, pal? I do, Bob. And last question. Let's say you're a small to mid-sized used car. See, I'm wearing you out. I knew I'd wear you out. I knew <laughs> no, that. No, Go no, ahead, no. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. I've really enjoyed this. So last question, mm-hmm. though, if you're a small, mid-sized used car dealer, you're listening to the podcast, what advice mm-hmm. would you give them in terms of how they should think about buying and holding used inventory in this market? Mm-hmm. If anybody buys and holds, right, don't take their check because their head's up their backside uh, because that didn't start this week, last week, or the week before because you bought it. It's time to sell it. it there's there's no reason ever under any circumstance to think that you're buying something in order to hold it. Um, your first profit is 99.3% of the time, your best profit. Um, these are words that come from, I would say, experiential circumstances of 3 million purchases and sales. Um, I would say it's one of the best times of my, from my perspective to be in the used car business. So I congratulate you. My, my biggest, um, I would say advice, if anybody would ever think of taking a fat Irishman's advice, uh, um, is you get up early, uh, go to bed late, um, pay attention just like any good drug dealer would on his corner to circumstances around you. So nobody can hit you with a sucker punch. Uh, pay attention. Never, never let your guard down. Um, um, use your brain in terms of who you're buying from and when you're buying. Uh, uh, what, what the pedigree of a code, once again, why our tool set, it's very inexpensive and it's very useful. It was built by us for us. That's not a cliche. It's built by a car dealer specifically for people like us, the same type of circumstances, whether it's wholesale or retail. Because we reveal where it's been, how long it's been there, who owned it previously. So now we know if it's cat or dog, even though it's dressed up to be a mink, right? We can understand the, 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 the category of car that it's in. So you can understand if you're going deeper or if you stay shallow. You go deep because the car's got great pedigree. You're going to make a friend when you sell the bitch. You see, you're not going to sell it because you put lipstick on it and lipstick falls off and you catch AIDS. You see, in other words, the things that are necessary for smart buyers to understand what they're doing, not random shooting, you know, uh, over your shoulder, hoping you hit the bullseye, um, all of the things necessary. I think we're in a position as used car dealer, we ain't going nowhere. If franchise dealers disappear because they're going to sell cars directly to consumer, what are they going to do with the used cars? Franchise dealers, they have things, they got issues, they got all kinds of shit they got to worry about. That a, a, a non-franchise dealer, the only thing we got to worry about is our wits and our will to get up and not have our asses beat, but to beat other asses, if that makes sense to you, Zachary, you know. Makes perfect sense. And also curious, what are your thoughts on like digital retail? It's become like a hot topic over the past couple of years. For Carvana, 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 Carvana. No more car dealer. Beep, beep. 
Get rid of that dumbass lion ass car dealer. Beep, beep. Now come to my auction and buy cars. So you're going to be, need some reparation there. You follow me? But if anybody thinks that we'd be where we are without beep, beep, get rid of that dirty rat car dealer, Carvana. See, if somebody thinks that Vroom didn't have no, no impact, that's purely the Garcias. They did an unbelievable job of scaring people, everybody, into the nonsensical bullshit. If the customer hates us, they don't want to come see us. we got to drop it off in their bedroom and then <laughs> kiss them goodnight or they're going to hate us. You know, it, it, we, we've gone to the opposite end of uh, insanity, of extremes of that. I think it's great that you can get everything done online and somebody shows up and you hand them the keys and they disappear because they hate us. we got bad breath. We're ugly. All of that. Um, you know, I ain't 100% sure that that's all true, right? Uh, on the other hand, of course, let's be prepared and use AccuTrade in order to do your evaluation and the transparency of, uh, of uh, helping the communication and all the rest of it. I get all that. Um, but I think we've exaggerated it at the point of ad nauseum. Let's put it like that. Um, and uh, we're going to keep going in that direction. Um, uh, and I, don't, I guess there's nothing wrong with it. It, it. There's lots of benefits to it, I guess. Um I just, I'm not a hundred percent, like if I'm being honest with myself, that it's the, uh, uh, the end all that car dealers are not going to have showrooms and we're not going to want to have a relationship with a salesperson or the, the manager. Um, and that it's like the worst place you ever stopped into. You know what I mean? I've been at pet stores that are scarier to me than a car dealer. You know what I mean? Definitely. And Bob, where could uh, dealers listening to the podcast find out about the AccuTrade product and learn more about your offering? Um, we'll have, I'd say, in the next uh, three to four weeks, we're going to have a very uh, concise um, 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 a campaign of uh, and a group of uh, highly professional people that will be con you'll be able to con you can contact us right now on AccuTrade.com or cars.com go to AccuTrade and we'll have folks call you and, and demonstrate etc but in the next uh, few weeks here I'd say by mid June actually uh, um, you're going to start to actually um, ad nauseum you'll be you'll be uh, uh, having access to uh, uh, everything necessary to not just get in and sign up but actually be extremely happy that you did so I can tell you that now. Just to put that in perspective, in dealer groups that we're in, large, well-known dealer groups, the top store in each one of those dealer groups is an AccuTrade uh, psycho. In other words, they do it on every car. It, it, you can use it with or without Viola. You can use it with or without any other platform you got going on in your showroom. Um, but... Um, I don't want to name the names. If somebody wanted to get in contact me, I'd happily let you know what they are. But well-known, highly uh, respected, extremely well-run dealer groups, each one of their top stores is, is using our platform, bell to bell, um, in all departments. And um, as a result, I think we're, you know, uh, uh, um, when we have our, um, I'm calling them the Pope, when we have the Pope at the podium, um, preaching the uh, XYZs after having been a experiential expert for a number of years using the platform to be able to talk automobile ease, not vendor ease. Do you know the difference, Zach? Mm -hmm. Someone who talks vendor language and someone who oh, talks yeah. the car language is a big difference, brother, when you're talking to one of us. 
you know, we could smell it like 82 miles away. <laughs> that vendor thing is like, ooh, it's like you're putting a pick in your ear, right? But when you're talking, you know, you're at, the, you're, you're at the cocktail party. You dig it? Yep. And people are like, oh, you're in the car business. That's what, tell me about the car. You just want to vomit, right? And then somebody pops, oh, you're in the car? I'm in the car business. It's kind of like when you bump into a Marine Corps veteran that we were in Vietnam with or something, right? It's like a different thing. You dig it? So right. when you're talking to somebody as a veteran in the car business, it's I don't know why it is. It's just a different language. And it's very difficult to disguise. And that's a very important thing for me as we distribute. That we're talking automobile ease, not from failed people, but from folks that have been very successful in their field, not jumping job to job, the company thing. You know, no, people have been doing this for a long time that are good at what they do. Does that make sense to you, Zach? Makes perfect sense, Bob. And really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. It's been an excellent episode, tons of knowledge for the dealers out there. So thank you so much. You got it, my brother, anytime. 